In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Just wanted to take a brief moment to give you guys a little idea how we do it here at Paddle and Fin Podcast. We use the Anchor.fm recording platform. Super easy, distributes our podcast to many, many different platforms. There's creation tools to allow you to record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. Check out anchor.fm or download the free Anchor app to get started. This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your jig order. Welcome to the Paddle and Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as an angler by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milton. Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs on the Paddle and Fan Podcast. I'm Ryan Milford, and today we got Brian the Toad Shiller. God, dude, really? <laughs> Is that why you asked me to do this? It's exactly why I asked you. Oh, you know, we, we haven't actually done many podcasts together. You know, uh, there's a lot of mixing with the guys, but me and you haven't really done a whole lot. Yeah, I think it was just the one. Yeah, and... and Kind of technically, that interview was from my old podcast. Yeah, and we we played it on here, but so it's it's actually been a while since we've done a podcast together. Yeah, I try to uh, make myself available to everybody, and uh, yeah, I've done I've done podcasts with everybody. I think. Yeah, I th- I think this is the only segment you haven't been on other than that one we we re-released yeah 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 so welcome to bass fishing for noobs sweet happy to be here yeah i had to pick on you a little bit because you know i don't get many chances to yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh but uh but yeah tonight we uh we're gonna do part two of so you want to be a kayak angler you know we did part one with jason ricketts and had some pretty good information there, and sure. you know, figure figure we have Brian on here for uh, for part two. Get, pick his mind a little bit, see what kind of stuff he can think of for a brand new angler, and 
you know, both Ricketts and Brian here, you know, work for shops. So they see experienced kayakers and new kayakers and everything in between all the time. So, you know, they see this stuff a lot more than somebody say like me who, you know, just I kayak and I see other kayakers, but I don't what am I trying to say here? Like, yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I don't really discuss that part that much. Sure. Sure. I think that's one thing though. Like, um, I know me personally, like I've seen other kayakers on the water. You kind of check out their rig, check out their gear, kind of ask them why they do this, this way or this, that way. And you kind of pick and pull from like a bunch of different people's setups and gear setups and, uh, kind of devise your own, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, I work at, uh, part-time at Rocktown Adventures kayak shop here in Northern Illinois. So, you know, like the biggest question, like, you know, when you're first getting a kayak is like, what, what type of waters are you going to be using that boat in? You know, that's how we start breaking it down and then going from there. Um, you know, if you're lake fishing, obviously you know you could use a pedal drive most rivers you wouldn't want to use a pedal drive unless you're fishing like uh like the mississippi river or something like that where it's a lot deeper things like that but uh, yeah man i forget i know you guys talked uh you and ricketts talked about pfds and stuff right yeah we talked about pfds we talked about uh you know trying to pick your first kayak and how it kind of could kind of vary between whether you're already an established angler or you've still got to buy your fishing gear. Sure, sure, sure. And how, how that can affect your kayak choice. And uh, I believe we touched on paddles a little bit. I can't remember 100%. Yeah, but, I was, uh, was going to ask that because, like, that's, that's a huge, huge thing, especially if you're not, man. Especially if you're not getting in, like, a paddle – or a pedal driven kayak or planning on putting a motor or something on there. Um, cause I think a lot of people overlook that aspect. Um, I did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so not too long ago, I mean, you know, most people that listen to this regularly already know, uh, a bunch of us met up at Dale hollow. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, I've got a cheap $30 paddle. Yeah. And, you know, I know it's kind of hard to to paddle my Seaghost 130 with that paddle. And and so I've been thinking about upgrading. Sure. Well, me and Josh Eldridge, we were out, and uh, I was like, hey, can, can I check out your paddle and, like, use it a little bit to see what I think? He's like, yeah, because he, he was in the, what, the Kusa FD. Yeah, 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 with the pedal and, yep. Yeah, so he, he didn't really need it too much. So uh, he, he let me use his paddle, and man, what a world of difference. Yeah, because I think Dude. he's got a bending branches, right? With, yeah. He's got the assault paddle or something where it's got yeah. the plastic blades on it, or was it fiberglass blades? I believe it was fiberglass, but don't quote me on that. Okay. But uh, but it was so much lighter and the the size difference i believe i've got like a 240 and his was a 260 and it was so the, the weight difference and the length difference sure was so much better i 
I could sit there and paddle for forever and not even get fatigued with that other paddle to where I can't really paddle that far with my $30 paddle sure. without, you know, getting fatigued. You know, I've got kind of shoulder issues, you know, like tendonitis and bursitis in my shoulders. So, sure. you know, it's, it gets to hurting some. Well, that's so. the biggest thing. Like, um, there's a guy, uh, well-known kayak shop out on the west coast uh headwaters kayak dan out there you know i saw one time he broke it down um and he said if a customer comes into a shop and their budget's a thousand bucks he says okay well you're going to spend seven hundred dollars on a boat and three hundred dollars on a paddle and people look at him cross-eyed and funny and think he's making a joke but he's being serious you know, as fishermen, we usually spend long periods of time on the water, and especially when paddling, um, that makes such a huge difference. Um, because obviously, the heavier the paddle, uh, every paddle stroke, you're exerting energy, moving that weight around. Whereas with a lighter weight paddle, you're not exerting as much, so you're going to get more longevity out of it, if that makes sense. Um, you know, the one thing I was super fortunate on is I kind of learned that early on when I got into it and I spent, I mean, I still got the paddle. It's a, it's a Warner. I'm a big Warner guy. Um, I think I spent like 280 bucks or something on my paddle. So, but, uh, yeah, the lightweight paddle definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Um, you hear me? Yeah. 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 There we go. Yeah. I, I don't know. You know, I could be completely wrong here, but just the length difference, I feel like made oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a huge yeah. difference in it. Yeah. I, For but, you know, I, I, I was just going to say, I, I checked out the uh, Warner paddles because I knew you were a Warner paddle guy. I actually went to a shop and was like just browsing, looking at them. And what is that? The Shuna or Shauna? Yeah, Shauna. Yeah, I checked that. That's pretty sweet. There, you can adjust yeah. the length. So you know, if you change kayaks and you need a different length, you know, you can adjust that. that I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Werner just came out with that this year. They call that the Lever Lock series. So, like, you could go two forty to two sixty. Is that what it is? Two forty to. I two, think so. I, I think you're right. Two forty to two sixty or two thirty to two fifty. Is the other one or something like that? I I know it goes to 260. Yeah. Yeah, but that's nice. So I've actually been looking at one of those because, um, you know, mine is set where it's it's a 250. So, you know, that's the thing. Like uh, the wider the boat, the longer the paddle uh, because the further of a reach you're basically going to have over the edge of that boat. So... um, you know, in my old boat, I definitely needed a 250, but when I'm in the blue sky and I'm standing and paddling, cause you don't necessarily sit and paddle in that thing. Um, you know, you're kind of paddling like a sup. So the 250 is a little too long. Whereas if I could drop that down to 240, it'd just be perfect. Um, but that's a same thing. Like if you were in your kayak, uh, paddling, you know, you'd have it at 250, but when you stand up and you want to kind of paddle around, like, like as if you were on a paddle board, 
you know, you could drop the length of that and paddle pretty easy. So you could put your hand over the top of the blade and then the other hand on the shaft to, to kind of do your paddle strokes as you're going through the water. That's clutch. Um, I know there's some other paddles out there. I know New Canoe makes one that's adjustable, but it's a little bit heavier. Um, it's not lightweight. It's not like, uh, I want to say it's plastic blades and it might be a carbon fiber shaft, but I think it's aluminum. I forget off the top of my head, but you know, the Werners have the carbon fiber carbon fiber shaft and then, uh, the fiberglass blades, you know, they do have some higher end paddles that are all, uh, carbon fiber, which is even lighter. So basically the lighter the paddle, the more expensive it gets. Um, you know, I know some wreck kayakers that, you know, they have paddles that cost seven, 800 bucks, you know, which is almost the cost of some boats nowadays. Yeah. You know, you get a Jackson bite for that cost and still have some money left in your pocket for a cheeseburger, you know, but, um, well, I mean, if, you're, if you're not fishing and you're constantly paddling, I can yeah. see spending some good money on a paddle. Because yeah, yeah. it's gonna wear you. Well, here's the thing too, right? Like a paddle's an investment because you could use that from boat to boat, right? Especially with the, the like the lever lock system where it adjusts. So, you know, say you got two different boats, you know, like like I have a river boat and I have a lake boat, or I refer to the lake boat as a tournament boat pretty much, you know, I do the blue sky in the lakes and then uh, i'd hate to paddle that thing <laughs> yeah yeah well when you get into like some back slews or, or some real weedy stuff you know you could just stand up and just paddle it like a like a, a paddle board almost um and it's really not that bad but um you know riverboat i've been using uh the jackson kusa hd a lot lately so you know i could transfer the paddle between those two boats right um so that's the thing look at it as an investment that paddle is going to last you a, a hell of a long time compared to like a kayak maybe i mean kayaks last forever it, as long or, as you take care of it yeah yeah those yeah. fiberglass are a little more less durable aren't they uh not necessarily man like i've i've jammed my paddle blades into rocks to push off from shore I mean, granted, yeah, it's got some scratches and stuff on it, but I mean, I abuse my stuff. Um, you know, that's yeah, you why. I, break. Yeah, that's why I spend the extra money, man. So yeah, I know it's durable. It's going to last. I can abuse it the way I need to when I need to. Um, but I've never had any issues, and like I said, I've I've abused that thing pretty good. So. Um, That's good to know. But, but yeah, I mean, it's an investment, dude. And like I said, that paddle can carry on with you for the next 10 years, you know. Um, whereas you may change boats a couple times in 10 years. I don't know. Some guys stay in the same boat for 10 years. That's entirely up to you. That's a personal preference thing. But, you know, uh, paddle is a, is a huge, huge part to getting set up for sure. And one thing to go along with that, if you're new to kayaking, is get a paddle leash. You know, it, just a basic leash that attaches to your boat and then attaches to the shaft of your paddle. So that way, if you do drop your paddle in the water, you're not doggy paddling back to shore, right? So, you know, I had a friend of mine, first time he got into his uh, 
his new canoe uh, just pushed offshore, wasn't even on the water 15 seconds, dropped his paddle in the water, didn't have a leash, and I had to go rescue <laughs> it, you know. So, I mean, it happens. Uh, you know, so a little security goes a long way. Well, you know, my dad, you know, after hearing me talk about kayak fishing and all that, he went out and bought him a kayak, and he was like, what all do I need? And, you know, we went and picked him up a bunch of stuff, and he, and he bought a paddle leash. Okay. I, I kind of made fun of him for it. Cause, <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't use one. Well, I, I'm like, why do you need that for? It's just going to get in the way. It's more something else to get tangled up until I almost lost my paddle. It did the same thing. Almost did the same thing your buddy did. And I'm yeah. like, you know, maybe a paddle leash wouldn't be such a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> well, that's kind of like a phone tether, right? You know, like, yeah, uh, everybody's heard my story, but you know, um, just recently, uh, Susie lost her phone. It's at the bottom mm-hmm. of the lake. So I told her I was going to buy her a phone leash. <laughs> well, see, but, I made know. one. I, yeah, I, yeah. I made my, which yeah. I think, I'm thinking she had Android. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not sure if they're waterproof or not. Uh, but I know. I think she had an iPhone. I forget. Did she? Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Well, uh, I, the newer iPhones are all supposed to be waterproof as far as I know. So, yeah. You know, I, or I'm no. not using. She she wanted the SD card, so she's got an Android. That's, that's why yeah, I was yeah. thinking yeah, yeah, yeah. that yeah. she had an Android. That's right. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, so. You know, with it supposed to be waterproof, I keep my phone in a in a uh, OtterBox. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. So I actually posted a little while back a leash I had made, and I got a lot of suggestions on improving it. Sure. In the comment section on that, I posted it on the Paddle and Fin page, and uh, I actually upgraded after that. And basically, what I did, I took an old gift card. You yeah. know, hard plastic gift card. I drilled a hole in it, yeah. took a little, took one of my wife's hair ties and looped it through there. Sure. And then took like one of the, one of those leashes. I got it at Walmart. It's bit spirally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like, like yeah. a old, old style phone cord. Yep. And, uh, hooked that to that. And then I hook it to a little eye on my kayak. And sure. now if it goes overboard, just pull it up. Yeah. And I got to worry about it. That's how my first one was. It was actually, uh, I used uh, a casino card, like a player's card, because it's already got the slot in it. Because you go to the casino, you see all the old ladies putting their cards in the slot machines, and they got it tethered to their wrist because they don't want to lose their points. You know, but uh, uh, so that's how I did mine. But I used, uh, I just used a 50-pound braid and I looped it through there a few times and made a big loop. Um, but what I will say, uh, my more recent one is, uh, it's made by never lost gear and it's basically a smaller card, but it's got this little bit bigger nylon strap. And then it comes with a key ring on the back. And I think these things are like five or six bucks. Um, and then they have the tethers that'll attach to your vest and it's the coil type stuff, but it's a short one. It's maybe two inches tall. Um, and it's got a loop on one end. So I can attach this key ring. And then the other end has like a, uh, um, it's almost like a barrel swivel. 
that'll attach through a loop on your vest. Um, and I think those are like six or seven bucks. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. When you first started talking about that, I was like, you, you know, I fish on a budget, you know, that yeah, sounds yeah. kind of expensive. But yeah, no, you know, no, no. That's actually reasonable. No, I was surprised because uh, we just started carrying Never Lost Gear at Rocktown. And, uh, you know, they look to me a lot of times uh, on like fishing stuff they should order um, just because I'm the fisherman there. And, um, you know, I gave him a list and I, I didn't even know that never lost made the, uh, the phone tether, you know, with the card and the strap. And I told him to order a few up and like, that was like the first item that we basically ran low on, which, you know, we're, we're ordering more. I think we only have one left on the shelf. And in like three or four weeks, we like burned through, I think it was like a dozen of them or something. Um, I could see you selling through those really quick, especially if you're in there telling everybody your story. They're probably like, yeah, hook me up with one of those right there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's just it, right? Like, so that's something we don't think of. Like, um, I know a lot of paddle shops, um, even the big box stores, um, they'll carry like the waterproof cases. Looking to see. Yeah, I don't have one down here. Yeah. You talking about the hard cases? No, 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 no. It's just like a yeah, it's it, it's yeah. almost like a soft Ziploc type bag. It's made by uh, Seal Tight, I think is it is the name of it, Seal Tight. Um, but I, it it's a kayaking company. They make uh, they make like dry bags and stuff like that for hauling gear in your boat. But uh, they they have like uh, these like Ziploc cases. It's got a little loop so you can clip it to your vest or your boat or whatever. Um, and they also make them for like iPads and laptops and stuff like that. So if you were doing like, like a lot of, uh, touring kayaks, big water boats, you know, like up here, we get a lot of people paddling, uh, to islands on, uh, off the shore of Lake Michigan or up by Green Bay, you know, Lake Superior, things like that. If you're going on some bigger water like that. You know, people will pack some gear uh, for a couple of days, and they'll put that stuff in those types of deals. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything works, even a Ziploc baggie, and you throw the phone in the pocket of your jacket or something like that. But you know, as long if, as you don't pull it out. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to get to. You know, in fishing tournaments, you know, all our stuff is catch, photo, release. You know, and not only that, you're going to want to take pictures while you're on the water. Like, you know, I don't know how many times I've seen deer come down to, like, get a drink of water. I pull my phone out, snap a picture. You know, my wife loves turtles, so I'll see some turtles on a log and want to take a picture and send it to her, something like that. So, you know, having your phone tethered is a is a very, very crucial part of that. And then I guess the other thing that could go along with that and – I know I don't do it. I know some guys do is uh, rod leashes, you know, um, if you're worried about losing some of your rods. You know, like uh, uh, I recently did that podcast uh, with Brock, Brock Hall, the dude that uh, got hit by the boat down there at the Crossroads Classic. You know, he lost all his rods, and in that story, you know, he was talking about like the week before he had just won a bunch of never lost tethers, rod tethers. 
and he was going to bring them, but he didn't want to mess with it in the middle of a tournament. He didn't have time to, like, get it rigged up and get used to it. And now, I'd probably be the same way if I was going into a tournament. Yeah. Oh, dude, totally agree, man. Uh, 100%. If, if you don't have experience with that, then you'd be like, ah, you know. But um, had his rods been tethered, he would have got them all back, you know. But, yeah. um, you know, it is what it is. That was a kind But he's of, lucky he didn't lose a leg. Yeah, he's <laughs> lucky he didn't lose his life. Man. So, I, yeah, I mean, I he's he's happy that his, that his rods are on the bottom of the lake instead of his leg or something like that. But, you know, that's the thing. Like, you got to remember, like, you're on water. So, trying to keep all your gear contained to your boat or in the event that something does happen that it's going to stay contained so like one thing in that instance uh he fishes with a milk crate in the back uh i use a black pack Uh, i use milk crate so on my black pack i could latch the lid closed with the little bungee so that way if like i flipped over that lid's going to stay tight so what he did on his milk crate um he had some bungees going across it so it kept most of his boxes in there. So when he, when he did, when his boat did, did get rolled over, they've stayed in there for the most part. But when they went to flip his boat back over, a couple fell out. He grabbed them right away, and they saved that stuff. But you know, uh, see, that's that's what I do too. I just got a bungee running over top of it. Yeah, but yeah. I'll, I'll be honest. Half the time, you know, I don't really want to fight with it, so I don't really put it back. So. Huh? If I got put in that situation, it'd probably yeah, it'd probably hurt. I'd probably lose some stuff. I'm guilty but, uh, of leaving the top unstrapped on my black pack quite a quite a bit. I won't lie. <laughs> but some something I did do is uh, on on my milk crate. You know, I, I put rod holders on it using PVC pipe. Sure, but I I did it differently than a lot of people do it. A lot of people put them standing straight up, so if it flips over, I could see where they'd fall out of there. I got mine laying horizontally, and they they kind of got to be angled in order to come out. Okay. So I, I feel like if I did flip or something like that, they would stay in there. But if I have one up front with me, probably yeah. going to lose that. Sure, so, sure. Well, and that's the thing too, right? When you're using the rod, you don't usually have it tethered. Um, it's just when it's in storage mode in case... Like I had an issue one time I pulled I pulled a rod out of my rod holder on my black pack and um, the rod right behind it I had just put in the holder. So when I pulled the one next to it out, the handle on the reel got caught on the reel of the one I was pulling out. So that rod came out, fell in the water. I would, luckily I got it right away. Or I've had it where I, like, go to drop it in the rod rod tube back there, and, like, I'm kind of lazy, and it just doesn't fall all the way down. And I'll, like, look back and notice that the rod's kind of leaning half out of the tube, and, you know, I'll turn around and switch it. So that's just stuff to be conscious about, I think. You know, just, just kind of make sure your stuff is in the tube and not half hanging out. Otherwise, you might have some issues. Yeah. But. Well. Have you ever tried the uh, pull noodle thing on putting it on your rod? 
Uh, I haven't. I know there's some companies out there that make uh, like floats, smaller, more compact floats, so you don't have to take those off your rod, like while you're actually fishing. Yeah, because um, I was wondering about that because it, it seems like, you know, looking at pole noodle, it seems like your line would hit that. Yeah. Yeah. If it was on there. Yeah, you'd have to, like, shave it down somewhat. But, um, you know, I rods are going to float a little bit anyways right off the bat just because they're hollow. So you got some some air in that rod. But if you don't notice it right away, that's when it you're probably going to lose it. Um, you know, I think... Personally, I don't have these. I know Jay Randall has them. A couple of my buddies do. Uh, Richie Lockery. Uh, a few other guys is the Savior device. S-A-V-U-R. Um, and you can retrofit those on any rod, the butt end of any rod. And what that is is basically if you drop your, drop your rod in the water, um, it'll sit down there. There's like a... A little tablet that uh, is very similar to the ones that are in the PFDs, the auto inflate PFDs. So if you hit the water, your PFD inflates right away. Uh, it's very similar to that. So what it does is it's spring load. It's like a spring loaded bobber on the butt end of your rod. So that tablet dissolves. Uh, the spring shoots the butt end up out. And it's got, uh, I think it's like 60 feet of, 60 or 80 feet of braid on there. So the bobber comes to the surp surface, you grab the bobber, you can pull your rod back up. The tablets are like three or four bucks, I think. Oh, that's sweet. Um, and I think like the retro butt ends are, I think they're like 30 bucks, 25 or 30 bucks. Um, well, I mean, when, whenever you're getting when you're getting into spending, you know, several hundred dollars per rod and reel combo, that, that's a small price to pay to make sure you ain't losing it. Oh yeah, no doubt, dude. Well, and that's the thing, right? You know, it's uh, it's basically protecting your investment. Um, I know a lot of guys worry about it being like too bulky and stuff. I've seen Jays. I've held Jays rods, and. Uh, it's not bulky at all it's like a typical split end butt um on the on the end of your rod but you're exactly right like you spend a hundred bucks on a rod another hundred bucks on a reel or or even a hundred bucks on a rod and reel combo that's that's a lot of money to some people you know so uh if you can you know protect your investment for a few bucks um you know why not um sorry i'm yeah. uh, i'm looking them up right now yeah it's well, I, it's 25 bucks okay 25 bucks and so yeah not bad at all if you're no. spending you know some good money on rods and reels yeah my, absolutely my, my only question with that isn't that and i'm not sure if you know the answer to that or not is how sensitive is is it to getting water on like so if you splash some water yeah. on it while you're paddling so uh that's always a common question and i actually interviewed the guy that uh makes these and uh you know came up with the whole concept so just like normal everyday use uh it's not gonna affect it at all 
Um, he does recommend um, every season changing out the tablets, which, like I said, are like three or four bucks. Um, so once you get that retrofit on, you might spend 20 bucks a year to protect your rods. Um, but uh, so what they did is like several tests um, at different depths in the water column. So if it was four foot or less, it took quite a long time for that tablet to dissolve because there's like this pressure sensitive piece of foam or something at the end um, that kind of holds the water back from leaking in to get to that tablet. Um, so basically, you know, it, it took like, I think it was like eight hours or something before that bobber went off, if it was four foot or less. But once you get to, uh, like six feet or more, I believe it is, um, like six to six to eight feet took maybe two hours, um, and 10 foot or deeper. Um, it was like 10 minutes something like that but for normal everyday use um it's not a worry i know jay's never had one go off and he's fished in the rain so those things were constantly getting wet it's because of once that rod submerges and you know like when you're in a swimming pool the deeper you go the more pressure you feel on your body um Mm -hmm. it's kind of the same deal so um you know that was the one thing is you know obviously the deeper the water the faster that tablet's going to go off but again i know jay's had those things for a few years now and he's never had one just go off because it got wet in his boat or something like that yeah that sounds pretty cool there (laughs) um I, i do plan on upgrading a lot of my rod and reels maybe in the spring so I might have to look into those because right now, you know, I got a lot of yard sale specials and whatnot. Like sure. I got decent gear, but sure. I don't have a lot of money invested in mine. It's only when I find really good deals or something. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they actually make rods uh, that already have the ends retrofitted on there. I know Jay's got quite a few of them, um, and and he loves them. So check that out. But uh, you know, I you know rods are are a huge investment but i mean it doesn't really matter how expensive they are um i mean let's face it you go to to walmart or you know fleet farm or bass pro and find a special for you know 30 40 bucks it's getting you out on the water it'll catch fish you know if you're putting a lot of hours and stuff on your rods and reel combos then you may want to spend you know 100 200 bucks you know you're just going to get more longevity out of it i think uh the the thing that'll break before the rod is usually the reel but um you know that's that's up for debate too well you know i'm not big on cheap reels anyways i actually just retired a cheap reel that i bought sure it was like a 30 dollar bait caster and I, i swear if you cast this thing 10 times, seven or eight times, you're bird nesting. No matter how you set it up, no matter how you got the settings, how huh. you cast it, it would 
bird nest. I, I hate that reel. I'm glad I finally got rid of it. You know what's a good, um, cheap, cheaper bait casting reel, and you'll you'll see them on sale. It's the Bass Pro reel. Uh, I had a feeling you were going to say the Boo Garcia Black Max. No, <laughs> no, no. That seems to be like everybody's starter. No. And, and they are decent reels. I've got one. No, uh, Jay told me about these, and uh, I think they're called like Pro Tour Concepts or Pro Concept or something like that. But you get them for like 50, 60 bucks at specific times during the year, and they'll have different gear ratios. And I picked one up because I was like, really, Jay? Like, come on. He's like, bro, I tell you what, man, like best reels I've ever had. And I picked one up, and uh, I've used it a decent amount, and I do things like butter. And uh, not only that, but... um, And what are you comparing that to? Like, your normal uh, range for for your reels? Dude, it's, it's real similar to, like, a lose, man. Like... I, I think I got one or two lose bait casters. I'm not like I'm not like a huge brand specific guy when it comes to reels. Um, I w- like I bought a, a little higher end uh, spinning reel uh, the beginning of this season um, just because I needed it. But I still fish with a dude. I got a reel. I just respooled it today. It's an old. Fluger, something like that. It's it's like fifteen twenty years old, man. My old man used to use this reel, um, so it's got some sentimental value. But he used to use it um, when he was fishing tournaments and stuff. And the thing is like butter. But if you buy a higher quality reel, you could always take it to a a, a reel cleaning guy, and he'll clean it up, or even like a semi decent one. And that's the thing too like you can upgrade bearings and and reels and things like that that are like five bucks and it'll make the world a difference in a reel um so if you got one that's kind of goofy or like the brakes aren't working on it like yours where you're bird nesting all the time and stuff like that maybe take it to a local reel uh reel uh tune-up guy and it might cost you 20 bucks and it, it'll be like a world of difference I think that's a big thing too that like a lot of people overlook um you know they'll get a reel it'll have an issue and they'll throw it in the garbage whereas you could find a local reel guy just call your local bait and tackle shop hell i think even cabela's has like a few guys at least like cabela's out here has a few guys that have like business cards up on the bulletin board you call those guys, man, give them your reel. A week later, it comes back, and it's, like, better than it was when it came out of the box. So, I mean, that's a little tip, too, I guess. Well, if I don't end up upgrading, I might have to do something like that. You know, most of the ones I'm using now are, you know, they work pretty good, but I don't know. Yeah, I but mean. I could probably I, use some upgrades. I know. So this goes back to like when we were talking about the paddle, right? Like I know I abuse the crap out of my gear. Um, Me too. I'm rough. So, you know, like I know guys that spend, you know, four, five, six hundred bucks on these like JDM reels, and like as soon as it comes out of the boat, like they gotta like clean it up and like 
put it in its own special case and like all that <laughs> dude i ain't got time for that bro like sorry no. you know it's getting put in the back of the truck i mean i put my rod sleeves on it um you know things like that i do have some reel covers i will put over the reel but i'm not like taking it off of, taking each reel off of every rod and wreath threading the eyelets every time i go out fishing that's just like a bunch of hogwash to me but um i'm too uh, lazy for all that <laughs> so so with that being said like um i i, t- I think i talked about this like way at the beginning of the year when I was at the Chicago Fishing Show uh, the beginning of the year, I think that was in January, uh, I was walking around, knew I needed some reels. Uh, I just got a bunch of new Elysian rods uh, that I needed reels for. And uh, I came across the Enigma fishing booth, and they had some new bait casters out. And uh, I bought six of them, and I got a deal. So that was part of it, right? Um, I I think those things retail for like a hundred and a quarter, hundred and a half, or something like that. And I think I got like because I bought so many, and they had a promo deal going on as well. Oh, I think that's what it was. Is like you buy a reel, you get buy two reels, you get a free rod, or something like that, or buy two rods, you get a free reel. Well, I didn't need any rods, so the guy gave me a break, and I think I ended up paying like. 70 bucks a piece for these things um and they're like i said 125 150 reels and i've had no issues with them whatsoever they are a chinese reel or japan whatever um you know that's actually the company i'm thinking about upgrading to because you i saw so many good reviews on enigma and uh and you know they're fairly cheap so i'm i'm thinking about upgrading my stuff to enigma so you get a limited lifetime warranty i just found the box i'm trying to see if this says where they're from i I know one thing that i remember with that is if you break a rod i think you pay like 25 bucks and they replace it yeah there's some companies out there like that um I think these are Japanese. I'm not sure, dude. But either way, um, I I've been happy with them. Yeah, I just read on that card, so it's a uh, one year, no questions asked, uh, free replacement. After that, it's forty bucks. Forty, okay. For the lifetime of the reel. So that's something too, you know. Um, like I said, a lot of people looked at me goofy when, you know, they look at my reels and they're like, what the hell are these? And I'm like, there's something new. I'm giving them a try, you know? Well, um, something that's cool about them is depending on, they're color coded for the gear ratio. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, white is 7.3 to 1. They do have, uh, they have like a gunmetal gray that's 8.1 to 1. And then uh, they do have a 6.6. I have one of those, and it's kind of like a flat black. Um, Don't they have one that's red? I think they have one that's red. uh, They might have just came out with that, but when I bought mine, they didn't have that yet. Um, That was at the beginning of the year. They do have a spinning reel. I don't have one of those. Uh, Those weren't out at the beginning of the year. 
Um, the spinning reel I bought was a uh, Presidente. Uh, who makes that? Fluger. Yeah, Fluger Presidente. Uh, I love that thing for my spinning reel. Uh, like I said, I got that other one that uh, I've had a while. I got the Bass Pro reel. Uh, that's a bait caster. Love that thing so far. Uh, I do have a Lose. And I think I do have an Abu Garcia Black Max that I bought on a combo like a year or two ago. You know, for like a $40, $50 reel, it's not a bad reel. I haven't had a lot of trouble with bird nesting. It seems to be pretty easy to set up. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for a cheap, anybody looking for a beginning bait caster, I could see why they'd be moved towards that between the price and also decent quality reel. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah, I mean, dude, there are a lot of good reels out there at a, at a lower price. Um, you know, you just kind of read some reviews and stuff. Obviously, if it's crap, um, it's going to have a lot more negative reviews than positive reviews. Um, but you know, you will find some like really good, decent, like middle of the road price stuff. I mean, like I said, dude, I know some guys that, uh, they freaking they'll spend five, 600 bucks on a reel. It's like, for what? You no, know? no. And I could, even if I was like rich, I don't see myself ever convincing myself to spend that much money on a reel when I know I'm going to like throw it around and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, okay, so those reels that I'm talking about, the Bass Pro one, it's called mm-hmm. the Pro Qualifier. So they, okay. they're they normally 100 bucks, um, but you'll get them on sale. Yeah, it's the Pro Qualifier 2. Uh, they're normally 99 bucks, but you will see... I think it's usually like right around uh, Black Friday... And then I've seen it in like... Which is coming up. Yeah, and I think I've seen it in January or February as well, uh, where you could get those for, I think it's like 59 bucks or 55 bucks. And Jay has a bunch of them. I know a bunch of guys that have them. Like after Jay told me about this and I was talking to a few people, they're like, oh yeah, I got like four of those, dude. And I was like, what? Like, what? what the hell? And everybody has nothing but great things to say about them. I know Jay had one. I think it was one of those that was, like, kind of gritty. And he gave it to his buddy that does real tune-ups, and he got it back. And he's like, dude, this thing is, like, butter. It's better than, even better than when I first took it out of the box. So, I mean, you just got to kind of check it out. Um, like I said, I, I've i used those Enigmas all season, and I've really put them to the test and you know so far so good um but to each their own right you know it's like it's like buying a car some guys are going to be in a ford some guys are going to be in a chevy some guys are going to be in a a dodge you know so you just kind of got to find what what suits your needs and feels comfortable in your hand and fits your price point you know so but uh, um but I want to move on to something here. Is something that I never really used before, uh, whether boat or kayak, that I just 
started using this year is a net. I've never been a big net guy, but this year I've really got myself in the habit of netting pretty much every fish that I catch. Sure. And, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, man. I, I was just say I use a cheap net. I've got like a six or seven dollar net I got at Walmart, and you know it's just like like string. For yeah, the net. yeah. And uh, you know I used it for that big fish I caught recently, that five point six nine pounder, and I I think it actually hurt the fish. Uh, if you look at the, my pictures there, if you look kind of on down on the fish, it's got a little bit of a bloody spot. Okay. And and I'm 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 not a hundred percent sure. Sure. But I'm thinking that spot came from where it, it, it did sit in the net for a little bit while I while uh while I you called caught some your other breath. guys over to <laughs> what that and, and I called some other guys over to me so I could use their scale because sure. I didn't have a proper scale. And so it sat in that net for a little bit, it flopped around. So I'm thinking maybe that that uh like string type net yeah maybe it's hurts it's the fish. it's I'm like sure. a it's like a nylon thread i know what you're talking about um so i used to use net uh a net made like that uh for the longest time fishing out of my boat um i soon switched because i got so frustrated with hooks getting caught in that damn oh, nylon thread and then having to pick it out right so with a rubber uh rubber style netting you don't have that issue you know yeah your hook will like get caught around like you know two hole openings or whatever but it's not like stuck through the strands of of the nylon thread which is just a pain to deal with especially when you're in a tournament scenario um so uh yeah so i think it was last year yeah, last year, uh, went out fishing on my home lake, didn't have a net on me, and landed like a 33 or 34-inch pike. So trying to land that thing without a net was a pain, and I think I got a little bloody on that scenario. I forget. It could have been very bloody, uh, you know, trying to deal with that thing. But, yeah. um, I, you know... So I bought a net, I bought a floating net, uh, I think it's like Ergo or Ego or something like that. They sell it at Cabela's or Bass Pro. But it kind of was like too big for what I was doing um, on the boat I was on. Um, so it sits in my garage. I have since bought a Yak Attack leverage net. Um, I like that net. Um I've had no complaints or anything about it. Um, it's nice because you could kind of, you know, you got that brace that sits on your forearm when you're going to scoop the fish instead of having to, like, two-hand it. Uh, so that's, like, the true benefit of it. I got the wide hoop uh, with the rubber net. Yeah, it's a little bit pricey for a net, but that other floating one that I bought... Um, it wasn't an actual kayak net. It was actually set up for a boat um, because some of those, like, floating kayak nets, like, uh, I know that net that uh, Greg Blanchard uses, that hoop just looks a little small to me. So now, like, you run that risk of, like, 
bumping the fish off because I and I'm talking from my point of view. Um, just because I completely understand. I know I'm a klutz, and if I'm gonna knock a fish, a good fish off at the net, it's gonna be because of that. Whereas with that bigger hoop, I can kind of dip it in the water or scoop that fish up a little easier and not worry about, you know, knocking the hook out or whatever. Um, no, I, I completely understand what you're saying there because, you know, I've watched quite a few YouTube videos and stuff. And sure. A lot of the nets I see there are, you know, smaller or even kind of like a rectangle yeah yeah yeah. and they got like the pool noodle type deal wrapped around it and stuff like that yeah and i see a lot of videos of people missing the fish or or something to that nature when they go to net it and i don't have that issue you know even with my little cheap net you know it's pretty big i don't have that issue when i go and i'm like you you know i'm kind of uncoordinated and and goofy when it comes to that kind of stuff but you know i don't i i can't recall any issues i've had with when i go to scoop that fish up with getting it in the net and so you know i want to keep something bigger like that but one thing that i've kind of noticed in my little bit of you know searching around that i've done is a lot of kayak nets seem to have short handles on them where this one's got a little bit longer of a handle. Sure. And I I like that longer handle. I'm, I'm not 100% sure why. I, I guess it's, you know, to give me a further reach in case, you know, maybe I didn't reel the line in long enough so I can reach further away and get the fish while I got my rod sticking up in there. Right, But uh, right, right. I'm kind of nervous about going to, like, a short handle. But how long yeah. is the handle on yours? That leverage net, uh, it's a couple feet. It, okay. It's it's a longer handled uh, handled net. I think uh, I think they retail for like I think it's like eighty or ninety bucks, something like that. I mean, you're gonna spend a little bit of money on it, but you know, again, that's something you're gonna invest in. That's not something you're gonna nece- necessarily beat up. Um, what's nice is it collapses in half. So if you're trying to save some room while you're out on the water, um, or during transport, things like that, it, you know, breaks, breaks down. See, I'd end up screwing up with that one because I'd be like panicking, trying to, trying to get it like unfolded and get it right. So yeah, I, when I'm on the water, I always leave it open or set up so I could just pick it up and you know net a fish but you know in the truck going down the road uh just because i pack so much gear yeah it doesn't take up as much space when i fold it in half so yeah it definitely makes life easier for sure yeah i'm i'm thinking i'm gonna upgrade at least by spring i know my dad's got one he paid like 20 bucks for at academy and uh he seems to like it's floating Sure. And then Josh Eldridge told me about the one he uses. I think it's actually like a trout net. But yeah, you know, yeah, it looks yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, some guys, I know, uh, I think the one that Jay Randall uses is a frable. Uh, it's got a short handle, uh, but Jay likes to reel the fish and pull them up right next to the side of the boat. And But it's got a big hoop, so he can net them fairly easy. 
Um, plus it fits like right underneath the seat of his kayak so he could just kind of pull it out and, uh, you know, grab it real quick. Um, you know, I use that yak attack leverage net, which is nice for me being in the blue sky, sitting up so high, uh, that longer, uh, arm on that net to reach down and net a fish is a lot easier. Or sometimes I just boat flip them. I mean, I have that option. If you got heavy, if you got heavy enough line, you know, yeah, that's it, cool. Yeah. But but I've been trying to get myself in the habit of of netting it regardless of what yeah. line or how big the fish is. Like I, I had a comment, I, I made a post, I think it was a couple of months ago, where I, you know, caught some fish and, you know, I've got small fish, maybe ten to twelve inches, and I netted it and I took a picture of it and somebody saw the net and they're like do you really need that net for that fish and well, i was like it's, no i didn't need it but sure you know, it's, I'm it's keeping the habit yeah right it's good practice man like we talk about that all the time uh you know on all the segments of the podcast right is like your catch photo release uh system you know guys have these systems on how they'll catch their fish take the photo and then release them and I just listened to the episode with uh, that the Real Down guys did with um, Eric Siddiqui, and they were talking about his. And I know Brad likes to ask people about that. Um, I know for a while it took me a minute to figure out how my system all works and stuff like that. But, I mean, when you're in a tournament scenario, that 12-inch fish getting off – could mean a world of difference you know in cashing a check you well know. E- even in my scenario somebody that hasn't get done a tournament yeah uh if if i wouldn't have been practicing sure you know using that net throughout the year you know a couple of weeks ago whenever yeah. i whenever i caught that 5.69 pounder yeah, I had yeah, yeah. no issues netting that fish. Sure, because I done got myself used to that. If I hadn't got myself used to that, yeah, I might have fumbled and somehow lost that fish. Yeah, so, it would have been foreign territory to you, and that would have left you more open to make some mistakes for sure. So yeah, I mean you're exactly right. Even fun fishing, you know, and you hook uh, your new PB. You want to land that obviously and get some pictures with it. So, you know, being the fact that you had your, your whole netting system down, dude, uh, it's probably 80% of your success, right? You know, because that's always the thing, the fish that got away, right? So the fact that it didn't get away from you is because you were in that routine, like generally going through it uh, time after time, no matter the size of the fish. So it was just second nature yeah. for you when you, when you landed that beast. Big fish, little fish, red, yeah. red fish, blue fish. Yeah. You know, keep using that net. Yeah. Dr. Seuss rhymes over here. I like it. I like it. But, you know, speaking of personal best, I I had an email lately, and I shared it with you guys because it it, it made me feel good. Um, got an email from a guy. I don't know if he wants to be called out, so I'm going to leave names out. But he's a listener of the show, and he talked about like how much he enjoyed the show. Okay. And... Uh, and I just want to say that felt really good, you know, knowing that, you know, what we're doing yeah, is helping being appreciated out, by somebody. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know that was the first time and, uh, somebody reached out to you, right? Or 
first or second, third, something like that? Yeah, I I think that's the first time somebody's like directly reached out to me. Sure, 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 sure. We and get, uh, we get emails like that all the time. I got one today uh, about that episode I just did about the tournament review uh, or national tournament trail review episode. Um, I, I listened to that today, though. That, that was actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? That was on the final cast, and I'll say this. Like, you know, when we started that review show, we said we were going to talk about all things good and bad, and I think we covered some things, a lot of things that were good, and we did cover some things that I felt were bad. And, yeah, it was in no way, shape, or form to bash the KBF. I'll say that again. I'm not one of those guys. No, but, but you know, when I was listening to that and hearing you, you kept saying, like, you know, I'm not trying to bash Chad Hoover or KBF. And it's like, I, I saw where you were coming from. And if people don't speak up about, like, hey, this don't really feel right, this don't feel right, sure. nothing's going to improve. Well, you know, here's the you difference, gotta... too. I know we're going down a rabbit hole right now, but now we got to explain because <laughs> we talked about it. Um, so I didn't just, like, complain Right. I, I saw yeah, some yeah, things yeah. that I felt weren't right, but I offered suggestions to that. Whereas I think, uh, especially in our sport and many, many other sports, you'll hear a lot of people complaining, but yet they never offer up solutions or ideas to correct those. And I think I did a, a decent job at, you know, offering some thoughts and, and opinions on how to help help the situations so and i i agree with that like yeah. I, I feel like you came across in a good way sure and and i'll well, also go on record saying you know like where you were saying some people will complain about it but not offer any suggestions there are some people in this world just like to complain yeah, just to have right, something to complain right, about right right, right. so right gonna go on record yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah no for sure man um you know i there was many conversations on whether or not that episode was going to air and it aired. So, um, I'm glad you did. Yeah. We, we felt it was all right and we went about it the right way. We just didn't want a bunch of backlash and a bunch of crap coming from it. So it was what it was. Um, what? but anyways, what? let's, let's get back to your, your yeah. listener feedback yeah. quit, question. Quit trying to take over my segment. Sorry, dude. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. But but yeah, this guy emailed me, talked about how uh, how much he enjoyed the podcast and everything. But he wanted to, you know, try to figure out a little more about jig fishing. Sure. Because he he saw my big fish, and you know we did I did do that episode with Cody Jennings from Jig Masters and yeah. got his yeah. take. But I was like, maybe it'd be cool to get your take on jig fishing sure because sure. you know me and you both just got new pbs off the jig master jigs yeah you know yeah, yeah. I, I got a pb large mouth you got a pb small, small mouth. mouth yeah yeah, yeah so. i i've been a jig fisherman for a really long time like that's uh that's one of my uh, like go-to's for certain times in the year and stuff like that um yeah, sometimes I'll throw it in the spring on a bed. Usually I'm using, like, some some type of plastic, uh, like, Texas rigged with, like, a weight pegged in front of it or something. But I will sometimes throw that uh, when I'm bed fishing. But, um, 
you know, usually if there's rocks, ledges, uh, I, I will work a jig through there. So let's talk about that, right? So a jig initially, you're typically throwing a uh, like a crayfish trailer or a creature bait that's that's mimicking a crayfish. Well, I, I talked about this one time before. Like if you, as a kid, I would go and flip rocks in a creek uh, to find crayfish. We'd catch crayfish, you know, put them in a bowl or something, then release them all or whatever. But, uh, so anytime I find rocks, I usually put, uh, I'll, I'll definitely toss in a, a jig for sure. Um, I like to toss it tight to wood cover as well. Um, ledges, um, uh, dropping it down ledges uh sometimes that's that's a great place to use it um well, you know what, what's your favorite type of jig what's, uh, what's your favorite one to throw so for the longest time it was uh a half ounce football jig uh for the longest time and then this year i kind of started experimenting more and then i started using the jig master stuff uh, so I found out about jig masters back in July from Ricketts and that was the first time I met Cody actually, uh, cause he was out at that paddle and fin meetup we had and, uh, I seen the jigs and I was like, Hmm, that's kind of interesting. Uh, his, uh, his casting and flipping jig. And, uh, I was like, Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, the one key thing I like about it is the way it it stands up 98, 99% of the time. Whereas like a football jig, you know, if you're on a, a weird surface, it's going to kind of want to tend to roll and fall over because of the rounded head. Um, but Cody's got some football jigs that have a flat surface on it. So it stands yeah. up. Like I know that was one thing uh, from talking to Cody, like was his main goal uh, was to keep those jigs standing up when when they were going through the water and across different surfaces and stuff so this year i really started playing with his uh three eighths ounce uh casting and flipping jig and i fell in love dude like that's what i caught that pb smallie on and i i caught that smallie in like in like (laughs) i think i caught that smallie in like 18 18 19 foot of water could have been more because it was right by the edge of a ledge there was a rock pile right at the top of a ledge um, that I had caught that smallmouth on, but uh, yeah, man, I you know uh, Josh had brought some of those out here Labor Day, and we were throwing them out by the sunken trees, and uh, Josh was sticking fish left and right, and I had been really working a shaky head out there quite a bit, um, you know, the past the few weeks prior to that and then uh josh was sticking him you know he he you know kind of hopped that jig along and then he'd feel it hit a log or something laying down and he'd slowly pull it over that log and as soon as it came over the top of that log the fish would just hammer it and it was the same thing with the shaky head as well um so that's a thing too right because uh you know it's got that weed guard on there stuff like that i mean I think a lot of guys are afraid to throw in like some really tight, heavy cover with a jig, 
but those jigs are designed. Uh, jigs are designed that, for that, you know. That and, flipping jig, I don't think I've gotten caught up a single time. Like the jig master flipping jig, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've gotten caught up a single time. Well, I've gotten it caught up, but I've gotten it out real easy. Like I've gotten it caught up in the rocks, the way that that flipping jig head is designed. Um, I've got it caught up in the rocks. I get over it and it pops right out. But you know, I've had uh, issues with other style jigs, uh, like the Strike King, and uh, I forget what the other one was, um, where like it get wedged in in between some rocks, and you know, you just weren't getting it out. It was just wedged. But the way that that head is designed on Cody's jigs, um, you know, allows it to pull out of that wedging in between rocks really easy yeah and you know i've i've been a pretty big jig fisherman too probably not near as successful as you but you know that was my comfort bait early on and i've always thrown like you said usually a half ounce football hit and i wasn't using it correctly i was and you know it took me a while to realize that but it the jig fishing that I tend to do is more of like something you'd use that flipping jig for. Sure. But I was use I was using that football head and, you know, I, I would get hung up quite a bit with that. Sure. But sure, you sure, know, sure. I don't, I don't think I've really gotten hung up at all with, uh, that flip. I, I take that back. I, I got hung up one time, but that was because I cast it and it sure. smacked this, this log above the water and the hook, went into that log, log. so I, I don't blame that on the jig sure. design or nothing but uh but so yeah i'm really liking what kind of jig. what kind of retrieve do you use like what what's your process when you cast it out what do you do um usually i'm just raising my rod up usually from about a three o'clock to a one o'clock and just kind of dragging it and then I'll also like pop it and I'll give it like two pops real quick, right, right there together, just pop, pop. Sure. And, and then, you know, make sure I keep the slack out of it and go back down. But that big fish that I caught, I actually caught it when I was started reeling in to recast. I, I, I'm wanting to say I was dragging it and then I started reeling in and as soon as i started reeling in bam yeah so i'm guessing uh i'm guessing that (laughs) it kind of jumped up and started like swimming away kind of like a crawfish and that's whenever it hit and one thing i did want to mention is the guy that emailed asking about more about jig fishing i sent him a video and you know i might actually post this on the paddle and i might share it on the paddle and fin page is a video that I found on Facebook where these these guys found this crawfish hoe and they wanted to see which soft plastics mimicked the the movement of these crawfish the sure, best. Sure. And and so this video shows a lot of how the crawfish move. Sure. And 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 it also shows a lot of different soft plastics being used to see how their movement mimics that. Yeah, yeah. So I might share that just to kind of help people out. But 
Well, I, I want think, you to share that with me because yeah, I think I'd love to see that. <laughs> I think that helped me out a lot right there because, you know, then you can just kind of mimic that movement of that crawfish. Sure. Um, I know uh, Tactical Bassin has some some info on that, and uh, I was just watching a video from them today on uh, fishing tubes, and uh, it was Tim Little talking about it. But uh, the one distinct thing that they always talk about when it's a crayfish is like a crayfish will kind of like pop up and bunch up in a ball and then swim away. So uh, when I do my retrieve sometimes, what I'll do, like you were saying, you do the hop, hop, Mm -hmm. and then like let it sit or you could do a drag or whatever. I'll do a hop and then like not a fast sweep drag, but like a a little bit quicker drag with my rod tip um, to kind of mimic that motion and then I'll let it drop and then I might like shake it a little bit or or do a double hop let it sit things like that Um, so it's interesting you know like it it was funny at that paddle and fin meetup like it was a jig bite for me and I, I fished with Jay and Josh pre-fishing and they both were like getting pissed off because i was catching fish and they weren't and then uh tournament day because jay and i were on a team you know we fished by each other all day and i was catching fish jay was kind of struggling a little bit and i'm like dude throw a black blue jig on and uh he's like well i don't i don't know how to throw a jig you know like i'd never fish a jig so i kind of like guided him through it and by the end of the day he's like I love jig fishing. I don't know why I didn't start doing this sooner. This is badass. That's such a killer bite, you know, because it was a similar thing. Like what I was describing with Josh, like that's the thing too. Like when you're around timber, if you feel your jig hit a log and then you could feel it come over the top, just let it drop. Cause nine times out of 10, there's a fish sitting there. If there's a fish sitting there, or, you know, usually there is, it's going to smack that jig on the downfall. You'll feel it just set that hook and then you know start reeling but um yeah man it's 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 a great concept and not only that but like i've i've found that um you're gonna catch bigger fish with a jig for sure yeah i mean i've caught small fish on a jig but i believe pretty much all my bigger fish have come off a jig sure you know my my old personal best was a four pounder 19 inches long it came off a jig. Yeah. Couple couple minutes after that, I caught an eighteen incher off a jig. Yeah. Uh, couple weeks ago, when I caught that that big twenty one incher, it was on a jig. Yeah. Right before I caught that, I caught an eighteen and a half incher. It was sure. on a jig. Now I've caught small fish on a jig, but pretty much all my big fish have come off a jig. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I've uh, <laughs> I figured something out. Um, the other weekend when i was down at the crossroads we were fishing it was later in the day the fish have, had moved in a shade shade area so they were either up in the shade or they were deep in the weeds and i would pitch uh like a three eighths ounce or a half ounce uh jig into like little pockets and kind of like punching let it drop to the bottom and then i just slowly lift it a little bit and shake it and they would slam it. So, I mean, that's another way to fish it, too. Um, 
you know, don't be afraid to throw it in those pockets. Or if you have like a three-quarter ounce, one ounce, ounce and a quarter jig, you can punch that through the weeds instead of doing like a, a one ounce tungsten weight pegged in front of like a skirt and a plastic, you know. So that's another option as well. So just throwing that out there. I've done that too. Cool. I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shout out to that guy. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's – it's like any bait, man. There's there's more than one way to fish it. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, man. Jig has just been in my repertoire since – I think the first time I threw a jig, I was probably 15, 16 years old. So – it's been in my repertoire for about 20 years um and i don't know i don't know what it is man yeah yeah you ain't been 15 or 16 in a long time yeah dude yeah (laughs) yeah 37 dude i'll be 38 in february but um you know i fished them quite a bit fished them in different scenarios um my biggest recommendation to that dude is just get out there and start using it you know, that's one thing we've always talked about, dude, is, uh, you know, rig up one rod and with the jig and only take that rod out and fish it all day long and just try to figure it out. I mean, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, you could hear us talk about it. Um, you could watch YouTube videos, things like that. But the easiest way to learn is just to go out there and do it. Um, one thing I will say, so usually when I'm jig fishing, I'm kind of like Cody. Um, I use a seven foot heavy casting rod, uh, 20 pound floral. And I usually have a 7.3 to one or an 8.1 to one gear ratio reel. Um, That's what I got to do. I got to upgrade my reel for sure on my jig rod because the night before I caught that 21 inch, yeah, I hook, I hooked into one that was probably bigger than that up at Del Hollow, and you know it, it came right at me, and I couldn't keep up with it. Sure, bit the jig. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, not only that, but you know, usually like when you're pitching uh, stuff, I mean, not offshore stuff, but if you're like pitching up shallow to things, you know, you're just working a small area, then you want to get that lure back to the boat as fast as possible and then back out there working the next area. So um, I just kind of switched up to that 8.1 to 1 this season. But uh, usually I was throwing 7.3 to 1, which wasn't bad. You just don't want to be anything lower than that, I think, in my opinion. But hey, uh I think I'm about to start wrapping it up here. Is there anything else you want to touch on before we call it quits? Uh, no, man. I think we covered it. Don't forget about the turkey bowl. Turkey that's, bowl. That's coming up. So get signed up. Uh, I don't have my notes with me. So, oh, you want me to re- no, you want me to no, read it? This is my segment, Brian. <laughs> this is my segment. <laughs> Sponsors, we got Rocktown Paddle Sports. It's Rocktown uh, Adventures. Rocktown Adventures. Rocktown Adventures. <laughs> this is my segment. I say what I want. No. <laughs> uh, Rocktown Adventures. Uh, Loveland Canoe and Kayak. We have Hammered Lures. T 
PRC covers, Jigmaster jigs. Don't forget to use promo code PNF20, 20% off. And, and they got free shipping for the month of October. Free shipping in October. No promo code needed for the free shipping, and you could use both on the yeah. same order. So take advantage of that this month, guys. Yeah. Uh, by the time this airs, the month's almost going to be over, so get on it. Yeah, buddy. Uh, am I forgetting anybody? Fish Mob Lures, Jay Randall. Fish Mob Lures. I'm sorry, Jay. <laughs> I should have let Brian do this. Uh, don't forget the, about the used plastics program. You know, save all your used plastics, send them to the address in the show notes. It's going to melt them down, make new plastics out of them, donate those to Heroes on the Water. Uh, check out paddlingfin.com. We got merchandise, we got blogs, we can see all the gear everybody's using. Um, don't forget to rate and review us on whatever uh, podcast platform you're yeah. listening on. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that that helps us out. We appreciate everybody that already has. Um, email the show paddlingfin at gmail dot com. Other than that, you know, uh, smooth lines and tight paddling. <laughs> smooth lines and tight paddling. <laughs> tight lines and smooth paddling. <laughs> What's up, boys and girls? Just wanted to take a quick minute to talk to you about the paddling fin gear. If you haven't seen it yet, go to paddle, the letter N, in fin.com. Go click that store tab at the top. Check out the store. We got tons of t-shirt designs, long sleeves, hoodies, phone cases, you name it, it's on there. Give it a gander. Join Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration presented by Battery Tender every Tuesday and Sunday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Enjoy fishing and hunting content that will inspire you to get outside, but also to take action in preserving the land and water that allows us to do what we love most. Tuesdays and Sundays in June starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.